So you've literally got four hours to put a whole TV programme together. Once you try new things and they work, that's really exciting. So that will spur you on to try other new things. You know, because there is part of me that thinks, well, what if? Welcome back to I'd Rather Be At The Beach, brought to you by me. I'm Simon and I run the Bonjour Agency. If you work in an independent school, then this is the podcast for you, where we don't talk about work, but we do talk to people in the independent school sector. Now, today we're speaking to a mover and a shaker in the world of school admissions. Tara Reeve is the Director of Admissions at Downhouse School in Berkshire. She talks to us about living in the country versus living in London, what it was like working at the BBC, her Russian connections, how she feels about the country today, and the Russian people. We also talk about her wanting to be an actress when she was younger, and we chuck around various other things in conversation too. And towards the end of this episode, I invite you, the listener, to send in your thoughts on something by email. I don't actually say my email address in the recording, but it's in the show notes for this episode, or if your memory is sweet, then it's simon at thebonjouragency.com. Anyway, enough of the intro, let's get this show on the road. Come with me now as we speak to the Director of Admissions at Downhouse School, it's Tara Reeve. Tara, welcome to I'd Rather Be at the Beach. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Good. It's four o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, what day is it? It's Friday, actually. It's Friday. Uh, what are your plans for the weekend? Oh, gosh, I've got a very busy weekend, actually. So it's um, Exeat weekend at school. So um, I've got three daughters and they're all boarders. So it means that they're all home this weekend, which is rather nice. However, uh, I suppose what uh, the school didn't realise when um, it arranged it, its its holiday dates was that it's the school's nationals lacrosse tournament oh. all weekend mm -hmm. in Aldershot. So I will be there for a lot of the weekend, freezing cold <laughs> yes. and feeding hungry girls who need <laughs> lots of energy for a very exciting lacrosse tournament. Now, somebody one time, a long time ago, said uh, there's no such thing as bad weather, just inappropriate clothing. How do you keep yourself warm on a day like that? That is true. I, I'm married to a, a, a kit fanatic. So we do have lots and lots of very warm clothes and we like skiing and things. So we have lots of good clothes. But even with good clothes, your feet, it's my feet. My feet just get absolutely freezing. So I, I don't know if you should be taking tips from me, really. <laughs> <laughs> Wiggling my toes, keeping moving, I suppose, is the answer. Yeah. So you work in admissions and marketing, but we're not going to talk about that because we're not allowed to. You've got three children who are boarders at the school. Yeah. You're married and you, you go skiing. Yeah. This is a fairly typical kind of marketing admissions director sort of person, if you don't is mind it? me saying <laughs> <laughs> but first of all, tell me how you got into the world of marketing and admissions, but without talking about work. How did you how did you get into this, recognising the fact that not many people leave formal education, whatever level they get to, thinking to themselves, I know I want to go and work in marketing and admissions. How did you step into it? How did you fall into it? Yeah, well, it's quite interesting, actually, because I've got quite, I suppose, quite a different journey to it. But I suppose we're all different. I suppose that's what makes us interesting people. Um well, so I, I well, fun, funnily enough, I studied Russian at a university, uh, which I absolutely loved. And then I joined a, a postgraduate broadcast journalism uh, course because I decided I wanted to be a journalist. Um, and I did become a journalist. So I worked for many years as a uh, producer for mm -hmm. BBC News. And then I had, I mean, I worked there for quite a long time, for up, up to 10 years. And then I had three children by that point, very tiny children. And uh we were making a decision as a family as to whether we would stay in London mm -hmm. and bring up the children or move into the country. 
And I was brought up in Snowdonia in North Wales. I, I, I am a country bumpkin, I think, at heart, even though I loved living in London. So we made the decision on my third maternity leave to give it a go and see what it was like. So my husband was commuting out of London to near here, near Newbury. Mm -hmm. And um, we gave it a go and I absolutely loved it. Loved being outside of London. I loved being outside of London. I just, the people are so much friendlier. <laughs> you know, it was so much easier to meet people. Mm. Yeah, it was just much, much friendlier, I thought. But do you miss the excitement of London though? Yeah, but you're near enough here. So I'm 40 minutes away on the train. So, you know, I... I do miss the excitement. When I, when I visit London, I, I, I really love it because mm. it brings it all back. And I feel like I know it well enough because I lived there for so long. But gosh, nothing beats living in the countryside and yeah, just fresh air, I think. And I, I just think people are, it is much easier to meet people. Mm. Mm. And, and, and I loved, we, we moved to a village and I just love the fact that everyone knows everyone. You've got a lovely kind of circle of friends. You're all hosting at each other's houses it doesn't take an hour in, in london it seems to take an hour to get anywhere everywhere mm. and, and suddenly you can walk five minutes down the road and be at your friend's house yeah. i just love that but sorry i digress so well i loved it and then i thought sadly i just didn't think i could do the whole bbc thing commuting from here you were commuting from here up to london for bbc no, well no no i was on i was on maternity leave when we moved okay. to, for the for that beginning bit and then i was discussing going back mm -hmm. And it just seemed too much with three tiny children to be catching the train every day into London to work on. And I worked in news. Now, if you've ever worked in news, <laughs> journalists, I mean, I take my hat off to them. They listen to the news 24 seven. Mm. And I just I don't think I loved news that much. Mm -hmm. I didn't love it to be plugged into it the entire time. And so even if you were working part time commuting in, you'd still need to be connected to news. The oh, whole time. Yeah. Because it changes all the time. And, and when you walk into that newsroom, you need to be up to date. Mm. I mean, there are a lot of news junkies out there. <laughs> and, yeah. and I was a news junkie for a bit, but I'm quite glad I'm not a news junkie anymore. Now, you mentioned about Russian, about studying Russian. I'm going to ask you a few things about that shortly. But journalism, is that something you've always wanted to do? Not really. No, I wanted to be an actress. Tell me more about that. Well, it was just my absolute passion. It was my absolute passion as a as a student at university. I got a place at a really good drama school, which I was really, really chuffed to bits with. But mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day, I, I realised I needed some stability in my life moving forward. And I'd quite like to to earn a stable income and I could see that the profession, I mean, you might be lucky, but it's a very difficult profession mm. to be really, really successful in. Okay. So this isn't a worky question, but how do you feel when you see some of the girls at school who are passionate about, this is a tricky question to answer, yeah. who, are, who are passionate about, you know, doing something on stage, doing something on, you know, television or film or, or whatever, Given what you've just said about stability, how does that make you feel when they're when they're wanting to pursue when they that? want to do it? Well, I will absolutely encourage them to do it because I think you've got to follow your dream, and that's you know that's what school's all about, isn't it? It's about taking opportunities and inspiring girls. And I, you know, because there is part of me that thinks, well, what what if? <laughs> mm, yeah. Do you wish you had followed your dream then, or that dream? There is a part of me that wishes I had. Yeah. But it's not, it's not with regret, though, because what I have done, I absolutely love my job and my pathway now, I, and, I, and I wouldn't change it. Mm. But I do wonder 
what would have happened. Had you met your husband at this point? No, no, no. So there's a chance you could have not met him and then yeah, not yeah, had the Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your life would be so different, wouldn't it? Mm. When you think about people you meet and... It's, it's weird though, isn't it? That sometimes the tiniest changes in our lives yeah. result in the yeah. in the biggest differences to what they would have been in the first yeah. place. So had I not met my husband, depending on what when that would have been, I could have been an actress, I could have done that. But I think more likely I would have carried on at the BBC mm -hmm. and I did a couple of um, secondments to the BBC Moscow Bureau, which I okay. also loved. At that time, I wanted to be the next Russia correspondent. And my husband, I tried to convince him to like Russia. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but he wasn't having it. <laughs> He's not a linguist. No, he okay. wasn't having it. Okay. So I kind of didn't do that. But yeah, that, that could have been another turn and I could have I could be living in Russia now, couldn't I? Well, at the moment you're talking about Russia and, and you're smiling. So clearly that was a time of your life that you that you enjoyed. And Russia is, well, it feels to me like it's a country that, that, that resonates well with you, put it that way. How does it make you feel when you see all of the nastiness oh, going on in the world without getting too political, of course? It's so awful. It's so awful. And I, I do you know what I feel most is sadness. Sadness for the Ukra Ukrainians, of course, and nothing more terrible. Mm. But at the same time, I have this deep sadness for the Russian people who have been part of my life. Mm. And it's not their fault. <laughs> mm. And, you know, they, you know, Putin, I, I don't want to talk about Putin, but, you know, what, 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 what's going on there is, 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 is horrendous. But the Russian people are kind of brainwashed by him, I, I just feel. And they are actually very nice people. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I've got lots of Russian friends in the UK and they're, you know, kind of sidelined a little bit and finding it really hard right now. And um, these are friends of mine, you know, they don't support Putin. But it's really difficult for them right now. It's interesting because understandably so, the media looks out for, it feels like the media is looking out for the Ukrainian people. Yeah. And there's often not much talk about the Russian people. But given that you have an affinity with the people and this is taking all the politics outside of things, yeah, yeah. then it's, it's understandable why you might feel that way about the people when, especially given that you've got friends here in the UK who are Russian, yeah. that must be awful for them. You know, It's not exactly like they're, flying a Putin flag. No, of course not. And they're being sidelined by, yeah, by, by, by people in this yeah, country. It's really difficult for them. It's really difficult for them. And of course, you know, I, I, at school, actually, I've got, I've got a Ukrainian tutee and gosh, that's so hard, you know, trying to support her. Who, You know, she has family in Ukraine, in Kiev. Um, I've actually been to Ukraine as well, which is, uh, it's the most, man, you know, wonderful country as well. Well, it was. <laughs> Beautiful. Two days ago, I was at a, at a different school in, in Suffolk and uh, I was talking to a pupil and I asked him where he was from. He said, Ukraine. And for a split second, I didn't quite know what to say. Yeah. Because usually in that situation, you'd say, oh, wow, what's it like there? Or, you know, yeah. it was a place you don't know very well. But, you know, it feels insensitive to say, wow, what's it like there? Because you're overlooking the obvious. It's like the elephant in the room. But then what, what, what do you say? But I think people are afraid of it. I, I, I've always said, gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry at what's happening. And, um, and I think they're quite grateful for, for that bit of recognition. Mm, mm. So next time, Simon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll acknowledge the elephant in the room. <laughs> yeah, because I don't think many people say anything. They just feel suddenly awkward. Yeah. I'm, I, actually, we're going off topic here. I'm quite often like that with, with people in wheelchairs, where we all know that sometimes you can feel uncomfortable about what the right thing is to say because we were worried about offending yeah but i'll often acknowledge that straight away um but but you know 
just by saying something like, you know, gosh, is that, is that a temporary or a permanent chair that you've got? Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And then ask them what it's like, practically speaking, in life. But I haven't quite got used to, probably just because I haven't met many Ukrainian people. Let's come take it back to journalism for a second. Yeah. I mean, how did you get into that? Because to me, that sounds like a very exciting world. Oh, it is a really exciting world. So I took some advice and and it's still a very recognised route now. So if you want to become a BBC, well, not BBC necessarily, if you want to become a broadcast journalist, then the best way to do it is to go and get a, um, a do a postgraduate diploma in broadcast journalism. And there's some amazing courses out there. There's a brilliant one in Preston, a brilliant one in Cardiff. And commercial radio stations, ITN, BBC, they, they recognise that diploma. And so they will always recommend that you go and work in local radio first. Oh, really? Because that's where you learn your craft. Mm -hmm. And then once you've got a little bit of experience under your belt, then you can apply. I mean, I actually started as a freelancer for, the, for, for Radio 5 Live. Okay. And um, it was through, again, somebody I'd met on the course. They, they, they got a contact of somebody. So the, they, those courses are brilliant for professional development and networking and putting you in touch with the right people and knowing how to do it, basically. It was really, really valuable. Um, so I started freelancing and then, um, uh, and then you know, a job comes up and then you have to apply the appropriate way. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, a, it's wonderful. If you can work for the BBC, it is brilliant because once you're in, there are so many different opportunities. Mm. You can move around. I mean, I work for Radio 5 Live. I work for News Gathering, which is the kind of hub that supplies news to all of the different um, the different areas. So it supplies news to, to the World Service, Radio 4, Today Programme, mm -hmm. uh, News 24, all, or whatever it's called now, the News, chal news Channel. Mm -hmm. And then I worked on TV as well. So I did Working Lunch. Do you remember the oh, programme, yes. Working yeah. Lunch? <laughs> was that in the like mid-90s? Well, yeah, well, I think it probably started then. I was there in around 2000 and... Five? Okay, right, right. And who was hosting it back 2005, then? 2005, maybe? Adrian Childs. Okay, right. It was honestly the best team, mm -hmm. the most fun to work on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Mm. Really enjoyed it. What was it about it that you enjoyed? Oh, gosh. Half of it was the pressure. So you'd come in and you'd have an editorial meeting at, I think it was, I can't remember, eight o'clock or something in the morning. And, you know, you're on air at 12.30, I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> so you've literally got four hours. Mm-hmm. To put a whole TV program together. Wow. So, you know, there will be a couple of pieces that have already been filmed and, and are ready to go, but you're reacting to today's stories. What, what's going on today? What are we going to do? So the, the pressure is immense. Yeah. <laughs> and to turn around and edit things and get them on air. Yeah. When I came out of out of journalism and came into the sort of other world. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I've got until tomorrow to do that. That's, so, <laughs> that's easy. Oh, gosh. I'm yeah. used to like one hour. Yeah. Um, getting guests in place for live links, getting guests into the studio, writing scripts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just that I suppose it's the pressure and then the relief. Then you, then of course, there's the performance and the studio and the bright lights and anything can go wrong because it's live television. Mm -hmm. And then and things do go wrong. Of course they do. Mm -hmm. And then the debrief afterwards. And um, and then, yeah, yeah. And, and, and so you're, I remember after lunch, as soon as we'd been on air, there was a kind of, you'd have a bit of dead, not dead time. You'd have a bit of a, okay, we can breathe again. Mm -hmm. And then you'd start planning as much as you can do for the next day. I right. mean, who knows what's going to happen by t yeah. by the next day? But I, it was just a roller coaster. I loved it. I loved it. And you're with the same team every day, which I really enjoyed. In some ways, a bit like being 
on stage for a theatre production where, you know, there's there's yeah, pressure and things can go wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, anything can go wrong, anything can go wrong. So what kind of things were happening in the news back then when you when you were working on that programme? Well, it, well, it's a business programme, so I'm just trying to, I can't, I can't, to be honest, I can't really remember. It was, it was so many different, we used to go into lots of um, interesting businesses and, and film them and it was just really interesting, actually. There was one story that I worked on that was, I remember really, really vividly and it was about a collapse of it was like a christmas hamper company called Fairpack. okay and it collapsed and lots of people who'd put money i think it was a saving scheme and people put money aside every month into this scheme so that when christmas came Mm -hmm. i I think they were given lots of hampers anyway the whole i can't quite remember the whole company collapsed and lots of you know quite poor people there were poor people who would use this scheme as a way of saving up for Christmas and all these people just before Christmas lost all of their money. Oh gosh. And I remember Max Clifford. So for some reason I was put in touch with Max Clifford and he was trying to camp, you know, to um to to do a campaign to get these people's money back and yeah, so I spent several days with Max Clifford going Ooh. around doing this story on Fairpack. <laughs> so then when the news broke several years later about Max Clifford, how did that make you feel? Yeah, it made me feel a little bit odd to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, not great. I'm a little bit intrigued. Let's just bring it back to Downhouse for a second, because you ended up working here. And at the BBC, you talk about this real buzz of working on these programmes and, and these hard deadlines and having to move quickly on all of these different things. I, I don't know if life in a in an independent girls boarding school is anything like the BBC, but it strikes me that there's going to be more of a buzz there, surely, than there would be in a school. Or am oh, I no, wrong? No, no, no. There's, there's, there's a great buzz in school. Oh. Well, what I loved at the BBC was or as a journalist is it's all about the art of persuasion so you're persuading viewers with your story that you're trying to to tell you are persuading people to come on the program i mean you're you're persuading people to do things for you all of the time as a journalist to contribute take part and actually in admissions what am i trying to do mm. persuade people to come to the school yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i well i don't know if i should call it this but you know admissions in a school like Down, it's it's you know it's it's like being in a you, you're a salesperson at the end of the day, and I'm selling a Rolls Royce education, and I I I love the thrill of the chase and the mm. getting people to sign up, and the product is so great it it sells itself, mm. but um, there is there's an element of persuasion there as well, and I but of course it's persuading with integrity. It's not like you're trying to sell ice to Eskimos or anything like that, you know, where people really don't need it or shouldn't have it. No, no. You've got a no. great product It's here. an amazing product and I believe in it so much, mm. you know, as I do, because my three girls are there and I, and I, I it, it is the most, oh, I'm not going to say this because I'm not supposed to say this on your podcast. Yeah, we, we can't be selling, <laughs> we can't start talking about 1907, the school was founded or anything no, like that. No, but I think the art of, yeah, admissions is all about being an effective salesperson but not coming over as a salesperson i didn't realize you had all of this experience in the bbc when in fact this is me talking about my work for a second when we first spoke to each other about podcasting because i think if i'd known that at the time then when we recorded the first podcast episode for downhouse i would have been a little bit more on edge because clearly you've, you've got a high standard there. So actually, now that we are, how many episodes are we in? Oh, my goodness. Well, I think 35 or something. 35 episodes yeah, in yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and, and all going well. So I'm, I'm pleased about that, given your background. Yeah, I have to say, given my, my background, though, gave me the confidence to, to do the podcast, to do a school co- podcast, because 
I understand broadcasting. I mean, I, I don't do any of it anymore, but, but... Do you think more people in marketing and admissions need more confidence in the work that they do? No, but I, th I think you always do if you're trying something new, no? And I think broadcasting... Actually, it's very simple, a podcast. It's a microphone and a piece of recording equipment. That's all well, you need. Well, it is. But, but for a lot of people, I mean, podcasting aside for a second, if it's something they've never done before, yeah, you know, some people leap. like to look at what they're doing in, in their school and think to themselves, right, let's try something new. And, and while I'm saying that, there are certain schools I'm thinking of that are very, very good at doing that. And other people, and I'm definitely not going to mention any names, but, but some people who work in marketing and admissions are almost caretaking their role. Yeah. And, you know, it's a job that pays them some money. And actually, I'm not going to try that new thing because if it doesn't work, I don't want to look bad. Yeah. Yeah. How could people get that balance right between trying new things and doing what's guaranteed to be the right thing? Once you try new things and they work, that's really exciting. So that will spur you on to try other new things. And I'm a really creative person. I love trying out new things. Well, I think that's really sad if people don't want to try new things because their marketing won't be as good, will it? It won't be. It won't be. <laughs> and people won't be buying their product. So, Or maybe those people just need to try something small to start off with and then... Try something small, baby steps. And then bigger, yeah, and then step up to something bigger. Yeah. Okay, so apart from hockey this weekend and getting cold feet, what else will you do? In fact, what do you do to relax? If you're if you're just relaxing, it's your own time, you've got no daughters around, no husband around, what what does Tara Reeve do? Oh my gosh, I'm I'm going to give you the most awful uh, do you know, I'm so driven. I work so hard. <laughs> I'm not sure there is much. I mean, I love traveling. I mean, at home, what do I do? I read a book mm -hmm. or I watch some telly. I love singing. Okay. Yeah. So, I'd, yeah, you might catch me singing around the What kind house. of music? Oh, I love choral. Don't ask me about composers. I love choral music. Um, and I sometimes sing with the school choir. Oh, nice. So I like that. So we just did Foray's um, Requiem. Oh, at very St. good. St. John's um, Church in Newbury on mm -hmm. Sunday. So okay. I really enjoyed that. I find that just really therapeutic singing I, I did the requiem the foray requiem at university oh did you so i've got a very I've, I've still got the music that i had at the time uh, and i've also got on the inside back cover my my timetable um which i'd written down on a piece of paper Oh, that's really lovely yeah and, but it's a great piece of music foray requiem is great I, I love the rut of requiem as well some people don't like it but i, I love I don't that, one. Know that one there are other people listening to this right now who are thinking of their own music that yeah, they like. yeah yeah in fact yeah. If, if for anyone listening to this right now if you're if you're musical or if there's a piece of music that you like and you're thinking of a piece of music right now, then email in what it is that you're thinking about, because I'd love to know what other people like to listen to. I, I place great value on. Sorry, I'm talking to you now, Tara, yeah, not, yeah, not yeah. the audience. Yeah, yeah. I, I place great value on, you know, if, if someone else values a piece of music and I value their judgment, then I'll take time out to go and listen to that. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So I'm glad you did the 4A recommend. What else have you done? That you that you enjoyed, whether recently or long time oh, ago. Oh, Handel's Messiah. So when I was when I was in um, when I was at the BBC, I joined the Ch I think it was called the Chiswick Choir. It was really good choir, really really good choir. Was it big? Uh, it was quite big. Yeah, mm. it probably had probably had about a hundred people in it. I think. Yeah. yeah, it was really big, and and I really enjoyed that as well. To to really get to grips with a big piece of music was was really good. Yeah, I need to do a bit more with my music. I. I used to play the piano and uh, I sometimes play the saxophone and with the school orchestra, but that's all quite, music is very, very therapeutic, I think. No, I'm, I agree with you completely there. 
agree with you completely. Okay, keeping an eye on time, should probably bring it to a close. Tara, thank you for being here. If anyone wants to get in touch with you, how could they connect with you? Oh, they're more than welcome to email me at reevet at downhouse.net. And you're on LinkedIn as well? I am, I am. Okay. Tara Reeve, I think you'll just find me. <laughs> no, can't be that many of you. <laughs> can't be that many. We'll put links to both in the show notes. But in the meantime, thank you very much for being here. Thank you for having me. So that was Tara Reeve, Director of Admissions at Downhouse School, talking to us about her work, her background, and getting cold feet in Aldershot with her daughters. Tara, thank you for being on this episode of the podcast. Really appreciate you giving up the time to talk. Now, if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, then just drop me a message. I'm Simon at thebonjouragency.com. We make podcasts for school marketing to help connect you with your school community to drive up new inquiries from prospective parents. To find out more, just check out our website, thebonjouragency.com, because bonjouragency.com was already taken. So it's thebonjouragency.com, or you can give me a call directly on 020 7858 2246. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this episode. The next one's coming out soon, so click that option to follow or subscribe, and it just means you won't miss out. We'll see you next time. Bye for now.